Have you ever wanted to be bold, to be brave, speak up, take a new path in life, but you wish you had someone to walk beside you? This is A Voice of Her Own, a podcast about our journey to agency, authority, and action. Each week, you'll get inspiration, actionable practices, and support from me and from brave women of all kinds, walking their own path and telling their own stories. I'm Diva. I'm a trauma-informed coach and a doctoral student in psychology. So I know a few things about seeking an authentic life, but I'm still learning too. So join me as we support, encourage, and inspire each other. This is a podcast about showing up. This is a voice of her own. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of A Voice of Her Own. Thanks for being here with me. I'm your host, Diva Davison. This episode is the most important episode I've ever recorded. My guest today is the very first person that I put down on my list of potential guests when I was envisioning this podcast. Her name is Carrie Slack. She is an LCSW, a counselor, a rape crisis advocate, an educator on sexual assault and violence prevention for the community as well as for children. She is someone with a background in working with both perpetrators and victims of sexual assault, and she has been teaching empowerment, self-defense. Carrie is a marvel. She is so full of enthusiasm and knowledge and She is all about accessibility, giving people the tools and the education to move through the world in a way that is empowered, that has agency, that allows people and specifically women to experience all of the joy of being where they want, when they want, on their own terms. As you all know, my goal here for this podcast is to empower women to agency, authority, and to action. But agency is the most important part. The other two cannot happen without agency. If you are afraid to walk in the world at a certain time, at a certain place, wearing a certain outfit, you do not have agency. And for me, that is heartbreaking. I want women to be able to be whoever they want in whatever situation they want without fear and without apology. So this episode is my um, move towards that. I really think that you will get a lot out of it. In this episode, we cover the gamut of um, empowerment, self-defense, what it means, how it's applicable. There's all kinds of uh, actionable practices that Carrie brings to it. And I just want to tell you, I sometimes get a little bit afraid to be upfront about the reality of some of the things that I've seen and understand uh, with my background in social work and law enforcement. But I can tell you that one in six women will be um, the victim of an attempted or completed rape. And one in four women will be the victim of a physical assault in an intimate relationship. These are very high statistics. It's not something that happens to other people somewhere else. This is something that happens to women here in this country every day. Every day, three women are killed in this country by an intimate partner. 
So when I say that this is the most important episode I've ever recorded, I hope that you'll believe me and I hope you'll listen to it. It does go on past the hour. Um, Carrie's a very engaging speaker. I really enjoyed talking to her. But the main thing that I'd like you to get out of it is all of the useful information and all of the actionable practices that you can put into practice today. So may we all walk in the world as our own sovereign person. And without further ado, Carrie Slack. Okay, well, welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much for coming to A Voice of Her Own. I'm so glad that you're here today and um, really excited to talk with you. Thanks, Diva. I'm really glad to be here. So I want the audience to know, and I think I told you this previously, when I was conceptualizing this podcast and I started writing down a list of guests, you were the very first person on my guest list. Wow. And the audience needs to know that I didn't know you. I had never <laughs> taken a class from you, uh -huh. but uh, my partner did take a class and it was literally life-changing for him. Hmm. So um, that's why I'm just, I couldn't be more pleased that you're here. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks. That feels yeah. good. Yeah. Um, before we get into you giving me a little bit about your background and your bio for people who don't know you, I always ask my guests, what's alive for you? Like, instead of saying, oh, what do you do? Like, mm. what, what is exciting to you right now? What's, what is juicy? Well, uh, the juicy, a huge juicy part of my life is, uh, drumming, uh, two winters ago, deep in the heart of COVID, I got a wild hair to learn how to drum and I threw it out on Facebook. And within 48 hours, I had the um, loaned drum set. Wow. And um, so I've been uh, banging away ever since. And I've got a really good teacher and I started a band. And wow. it's <laughs> thrilling. It's thrilling. I am, um, um, it, lights me up every day. I, I play every night. And uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Thanks. I, I don't know how old you are. And I'm not going to ask you to tell all of us. But I have to say that people have this idea that like, you can't take up new things as you go on. And I'm like, mm. that's crap. You should yeah. be excited to find something that you know nothing about and be like, what yes. is this? Yes, yes. I well said. Well, I am 59 on the verge of 60. And um, I am delighted I, I don't usually do this. It is kind of uh, a step out of my character to like uh, pick up something completely different, um, but it all came together. And it's really interesting um, when my teacher gives me a new assignment and I'm looking at these strange notations and I'm shrugging like, oh, I, <laughs> I have no idea if I'll ever get that. Yeah. And right. he gives me a little knowing, you know, I mean, he teaches me it, he shows me, he, you know, guides me and stuff, but, um, uh, you know, the next day I try it a little bit, I get frustrated, put it down, then I try it again and I'm starting to get it. And, you know, like four days later, I am playing it and I'm just blown away and so happy with my brain. That's my amazing. Brain just keeps learning and it's a delight. And it's just uh, very interesting to kind of watch myself yeah. learn. Well, and drumming's not like picking up other instruments. I mean, I, I played the flute and band in fourth grade or whatever. That was a really long time ago. Uh -huh. But like, I have so much admiration for drummers. I am a huge fan of Stuart Copeland. I think he's like a fantastic drummer. But when mm. I watch him, I'm like, how? Like, what, how are you doing? <laughs> like, those parts are not, they're they're moving at separate times and <laughs> just yeah. mysterious. And 
I read a, a, an article from Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters who passed away recently. And he mm. said, drummers are a different kind of people. Their <laughs> minds think differently. Mm. And I was like, that makes sense to me. Do you think that's true? I don't know. Uh, that's that's intriguing to me. I feel like I have a pretty ordinary mind. Uh, I love my mind, but it doesn't seem to be, you know, uh, cutting edge in any way. But um, I think it just it it's so fun. I mm. uh, I just get the swelling in my chest when mm. I play. It's uh, it's really gotten me through this blankety blank pandemic. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have been really thinking a lot lately about joy mm. and how little of that I allow into my life because I'm so busy doing mm -hmm. and trying to produce and acquire and ambition and, you know, accomplish. And I love hearing you say that because it sounds like that's exactly it. Like you have found a source of joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah. Thank, see, I'm so glad I asked you. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> By the You're way, welcome. <laughs> what kind of drumming do you do? Like, do you have a particular style that you're in? Well, I, my band plays uh, rock and uh -huh. a lot of kind of crowd favorites through the years. And, uh, but right now I'm pretty focused on some funk rhythms, oh. which I'm loving. Nice. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. P-funk. Oh, you listen to Parliament? Like, yes. Parliament, yes. Oh, my God. It's the best. Oh, that's like move your body music. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I want to I want to get around to playing Flashlight. I, I mean, I play it along with the recording, but I want my band to play it. Right? Yeah. All right. Great. I'm going to have to find out when you guys are playing. I okay. That. Um, yeah. Okay. So conventional bio, not your drummer, rock star bio, <laughs> but what most people in your day job, what, what, how do people know you? Uh, well, um, I'm a social worker. I earned two degrees and a license in social work. And so that kind of sums up my adult life, but more particularly, I, uh, I've mostly worked in the area of sexual abuse, um, sexual abuse prevention, sexual abuse recovery, healing, uh, I've worked with sex offenders uh, doing treatment for them, and I teach empowerment self-defense. So I didn't really set out to like totally focus on this area, but uh, that's what I've done. <laughs> and did you now tell me if I'm wrong, because I did you teach at HSU before it was Cal Poly? Yes. Or do you currently? I know that you taught at College of the Redwoods because that's where my partner took the class from you, but mm -hmm. I wasn't sure about what you were teaching at the, the college formerly known as Humboldt State. Yes, I was in the social work department there and taught a number of courses. I taught there about 12 years. So introduction, um, the methods class is what I really loved and working with students who were um, placed in uh, field internships Mm -hmm. and getting them together and talking about their experience and helping them, uh, you know, adapt yeah. and, uh, you know, do the yeah. work. Yeah. That's great. Having a good supervisor for that is so key. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a challenging part of the degree. And I, um, I'm my, I'm working in psychology, but I, I almost did go the social work route because I, I love it so much. And I, 
we do have field work in my school as well. And that's coming mm -hmm. up for me at some point. And I'm just like very intimidated by the whole process. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we were going to talk about empowerment, self-defense and yes. yes. And I'm, I'm excited for that because that is what my partner took. And he is a, was a kinesiology major. Now he's a psychology major. Uh -huh. Um, and so he had to take a class and he, I think the only one offered was called women's self-defense. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, this will be easy. And I was like, okay, what, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And he came back a changed man. So can hmm. you tell me a little bit about how, first off, the reason that I don't want to start with what is empowerment self-defense is that I just want you to outline like what is that class that you teach at College of the Redwoods and why would it be interesting that he would just be like, la da I'm going to go take this little class. Um, well, the la da part probably is it's, it was one unit and uh, he probably took the three-day class. So you can, you know, crank out a, a one-unit class in three days. Um, the book was, is relatively small and inexpensive. Uh, so that's uh, my guess is what seemed okay. la da about it to him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe it felt like, well, I'm just guessing, but he might've felt like, well, I can learn things so I can help my, you know, friends and sisters and stuff, but it won't be, you know, so relevant to me. And that's right. where I'm guessing that yeah. is the, yeah. um, yeah, I don't think he had any idea of what he was actually taking. But <laughs> I'm so grateful. And so is he because it was really eye opening. So maybe that's a good segue into when people think of self-defense, they think of martial arts or they think of grappling, they think of techniques, but empowerment self-defense is a different thing. And can you tell me what's the empowerment part? Why is it different than what we might conceptualize as like, oh, a martial arts class or something along those lines? Mm-hmm. Well, first I'll say it's it's not not a martial arts class or not physical because we certainly do teach physical skills and we practice them and we practice them hard against pads and um, sometimes with uh, I have an exercise towards the end of each physical uh, unit where we do what I call a gauntlet and so mm. I set up um, people holding pads in different positions and they've already done all these techniques but then one at a time i ask students to go through and so you know they start with me and they um when they approach me then i know they're consenting and i grab their wrist and they do the wrist grab escape that i've taught them then they go to the kick station and they do kick 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 and then they do palm strikes there and jabs and knee to groin and mm -hmm. some eye strikes and a stomp. So they, uh, that's, it's an exercise to kind of bring all the techniques together um, with a little stress. You know, mm -hmm. when you're the only one doing something and everybody's watching you, um, it just naturally brings up the adrenaline and the, some discomfort. Yeah. And it's, that's, it's good to train like that. Right. Um, that's not the only, I mean, we train in a more relaxed version every time, every class, but it's just that is a kind of a culminating exercise to bring all the techniques together when you're dealing with some more adrenaline 
and you can keep your, and you know, for you to be able to see that you can keep your focus, you can do good technique with a lot of power. Um, it's, it's thrilling. And it's, it, I think that's one of the things that really stays with people. It's like, wow, I did that. Right. And, um, and watching each other and you can really see the power in those strikes, the fierceness, uh, I think that I think for uh, women in particular, um, a lot of them come into the class just assuming they won't be able to do it or they won't be very strong or very effective. And there's there's a great like worry about taking this class. Um, I don't want to take the class just to find out that I can't do it. You know, how mm -hmm. depressing is that? Um, but that's generally not what people experience. They uh, see their classmates get more and more comfortable with the techniques, get the, you know, start um, getting the power from their legs and their hips, their whole bodies behind the strikes. It's, um, it's a phenomenal growth that can happen in a short amount of time. Yeah. And that, that, that exercise of doing the gauntlet, I can only speak from my experience as being trained as a police officer, but once you accomplish that, that feeling of victor being victorious over mm -hmm. your own fear mm -hmm. is such a huge, like you could take that with you anywhere. It's such mm -hmm. a huge feeling of knowing like, oh, I overcame. Mm -hmm. I was afraid and I did it anyway and I succeeded. Yes. It's yes. huge. Yes. Yeah. 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 So <sighs> the empowerment part, I want to go back to that though, because there is a whole level of things that you teach beyond and, and like the physical part is super important. And I totally would love to come back to that whenever. Mm -hmm. But I am interested because what I got from my partner is there was a lot of framing and and sort of a, a, a framework of understanding gender roles and understanding conditioning that I think was really eye-opening for him. Yes, yes. And that... Um Yes, uh, all of that. I, um, you know, the lineage uh, that I belong to from empowerment, self-defense. We look at, we look at it as a pretty holistic process, um, and there's lots of layers. You know, there's all like there's examining all the socialization, all the messages you've gotten from family and religion and your society that tells you how to be in your body, how to flirt how to you know um how to, how to make your way in the world how yeah. to make your way yeah and so much of it for um people raised as girls is be nice like at mm -hmm. any cost be nice yeah uh, be polite there is so drummed into us it's uh yeah. kind of amazing how deep it is in there and so often um that's the major stumbling block, the obstacle to even getting mentally clear about the situation. Like, I don't like what's happening here. I don't mm -hmm. think there's a weird vibe and I don't like it and I don't know what's happening. It's confusing. Um, and yet that, but be polite, you know, uh, someone asks you a question, you answer the question, you don't interrupt. 
Um, you certainly don't walk out of the conversation. Like there's so, so much of that. Um, I would characterize it as indoctrination. Yes. I really would. Yes. Because yes. I am a above average um, uh, assertive person, I would say, mm -hmm. which is partially my nature. And then, you know, partially, obviously the job that I was in, but I've always been sort of a, you know, like I've traveled alone and I've done these things and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I have found myself in situations where even I was like, I know that this person is not telling me the truth. Mm. I know that something wrong is happening. My feelers say they're trying to take advantage of me, but I can't figure out how to extricate myself from the situation. And it mm -hmm. always comes down to, I don't want to make somebody else feel bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was really well described. And I think most of us have some version of that. Um, and so I will, I will say that after teaching empowerment, self-defense since 1998, um, one of my insights, I think, through time is that that ability to give yourself permission to leave is mm. one of the top skills, and it's one of the hardest, I think. And yet, um, this is uh, one idea that I would really encourage all your listeners to try. And that is to practice leaving the room. Oh. Um, you know, I, I, I think of it as pushing a, a pause button, you know, mm -hmm. something's happening. Maybe some of it feels good and fine and some of it doesn't, but it's confusing. Um, you're feeling some pressure to answer or, you know, go along with, or some, with some kind of various pressures are on. And it, it's so rare that we even think, well, this would be a good moment to take a pause. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to say, pardon me, I'm, I'm need to use the restroom. I'll be right back, you know, yeah. and head out of the room and go to the bathroom. And, you know, it, this is interesting, Carrie, because the very first interview I had for this podcast, Stacey Ramsauer, she's a somatic sex educator, and her actionable practice at the end of the podcast was to uh -huh. take a pause. <laughs> she said, so often we get uh -huh. confused and we don't stop. It never occurs to us that we can say, I need a moment. Yes. I need to take a breath. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. It, I mean, this, and it goes across so many subject areas, like really that could probably help you in your life in every area. Um, but like really giving yourself permission to pause. I mean, some people can do it sort of still in the middle of the room and you just kind of go inside your own mind and check in. For me, I really have to get out of the room. It works way better for me, you know, make some excuse. I mean, I could almost always pee. So, you know, I, if I <laughs> right. need to like be honest, you know, I'll just say, oh, I run, I need to run, go pee. And then I go to the bathroom and I shut the door, maybe lock the door um, and think and check in with myself. What's happening? Yeah. What? How am I feeling? Is this what I want? You know, and just sort it out. And, um, it might mean then calling a friend still from the bathroom um, and asking them to just be a sounding board while you sort out what you want from this situation. 
and to help you remember that you get to decide. Right. Um, that's, you know, going, what are my rights here? You know, I, you know, I had agreed to have a cup of coffee with this person and now everything in me wants to get out of here. Do I have to finish the cup of coffee and, you know, chat at whatever X amount of more time right. for it to right. be legit? Um, what do I owe? What do I owe this person? Yeah. 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 And that is such an interesting question because I feel like, again, you know, on the one hand, it's very applicable to, I think, what we'll talk about, which is that it's, you know, as we used to say in law enforcement, it's not really Mr. Stranger Danger in terms of sexual assault. It's right. what we would say, we would we called it nearest and dearest, but it's mm -hmm. usually someone you know, and yes. often someone you know very well. Yes. Um, but it's that idea of what do I owe this person? How much energy or time or what level of commitment do I owe somebody else is also mm -hmm. applicable in every area of your life. Mm -hmm. But I don't think most of us realize that. I don't mm -hmm. think we stop and say, wait a minute, what do I owe this person? What have I committed to? It does a commitment. Is this like a contract until death? Like I, mm -hmm. you know, I need to know, mm -hmm. like, what am I actually in for? Mm -hmm. And secondly, we have to be willing to tolerate the discomfort of making other people unhappy. It's mm -hmm. okay. They, not mm -hmm. everybody has to be happy with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's huge. huge. And some people listening will probably say that would be impossible for me. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we're so deeply indoctrinated that that's, uh, it, it, it's just so unpleasant to think that we're, you know, leaving somebody unhappy with our decision. Uh, yeah. Well, it doesn't feel good. I mean, no. I can say, uh, again, like I think of myself as a fairly assertive person, but I have really been digging into how often I'm people pleasing or fawning mm -hmm. without even recognizing it. It's mm -hmm. literally like breathing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I appreciate you saying the word fawning. Um, it seems, I can't cite my source, I'm sorry, but it, I'm hearing more and more from the people who study our instincts that you know we're familiar with fight and flight um and freeze but mm -hmm. fawn is also uh now being looked at as another one of our instincts yeah it is yeah and it's very much and i i talked about this a little bit a couple shows ago and i was saying for women and for children often women and children do not fight because they know that will probably not turn out well for them. And they don't flee because they don't always have the resources or the agency to do it. So women mm -hmm. and children often end up freezing, dissociating, or fawning, people mm -hmm. pleasing. And that mm -hmm. is their survival strategy. Yes. It's there, it's implicit. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's literally yes. how it is that you are making your way in the world, staying safe as you can. Yes, yes. That was beautifully said. And, um, you know, we do have a lot of us have shame about the kind of instincts that pop up in a tense situation. You know, uh, people feel bad about freezing people. Yeah. Um, but fawning makes a lot of sense, especially if you consider that as a species, like we are, uh, you know, pack animals were, you know, we're, we're social and it's not just, we like to chat or something like we right. had to live in groups or probably not survive. Right. You know, if you were sent away from your clan, uh, shunned, you know, don't come back. Like 
Oh, you're going to die. That very much be your death <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad news. And, yeah, and, and even bad. now, even though we don't need to necessarily cooperate to go hunt or something like that because of the way that we've established things in modern life, we can see now the health risks of loneliness and isolation. So even mm -hmm. now, there is a, a very real risk associated with being ostracized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious how. So when you're when you're talking to women, and I assume that in college classes you have a lot of younger women who are coming in who are uncertain about all of this, who probably have a history. And I don't want to make a you know group statement. I'm sure this is not true for everyone, but but overall of of people pleasing or fawning. How are how do you teach them how to say no? How do you teach them how to recognize their own feelings of discomfort and to act on them like what what makes that easier or better for them uh practice and yeah. tools <laughs> um i i used to teach uh this class for across a semester which was really nice we had a lot of time together and one of the assignments that i would give early on is to ask students to write out their personal bill of rights like how to really think about how they want the people in their life to treat them you know on the job in a classroom on a date at a family gathering with friends with acquaintances like to to you know kind of push aside whatever you think society might say about that or even pushing aside laws you know existing laws and just think how do you want people to treat you and put it as like a statement. I, um, I have the right to expect blah, blah, blah. And I, I really liked that assignment. And I really liked the um, exploration that came with it and the, the answers that people came. It was mm -hmm. really fascinating. Um, and so uh, I don't have time to do that with people anymore. But I do ask them to think about what their rights are in this situation. And I'm always modeling that when I talk about scenarios, um, you know, I'll say uh, if I'm getting mixed up about what I want to do and I'm in a social situation, I, um, you know, again, model like leaving the room, getting a little quiet, like, okay, do I have a, what do I want? What's going on? What do mm -hmm. I want? Mm -hmm. And do I have a right to change my mind about this, <laughs> you know, and leave early or suggest a different activity. Um, and if I, if I go back to, do I have a right that usually helps me get uh, more clear and more centered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that idea a lot. I am actually going to write that down and make a little note about it because I, I wonder you know, if people had more of an idea of like, I have the right to listen to my own inner sense of safety mm -hmm. over anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wonder, and I, I, you sent me quite a bit of information about empowerment, self-defense. And one of the things that was interesting to me is it wasn't only that people who took these classes came away um, with skills so that there was less, a, 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 a 
large percentage, about, I think it was almost 50%, 46% in one study of not having an assault completed, but that the assault didn't even happen. There was a huge reduction in just not being assaulted. It, right. Because these yeah. people had exactly what you're talking about, an idea of their alternatives and their own sense of right, I guess. Is that what, what do you, what's your take on it? Well, it's, I, I am very fascinated with that and thrilled with that research. Um, the why is um, unknown, but we, yeah, we have a lot of ideas about the why. Uh, I think going through empowerment, self-defense training, you start to defend yourself in ways that you, you don't even realize you're doing. Um, so, you know, <laughs> you are, you are conveying to people who may be, you know, testing you, testing your boundaries, that you have a sense of what you want, and that you're willing to go for what you want. And conversely, to uh, push away what you don't want. And that clarity, um, I think, gets conveyed in more ways when people have had this training. Um, I, 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 I do think, and this is just based on my experience um, as a deputy for seven years, I, I do think that perpetrators push to see the resistance. And I think it's subtle. And I think that's mm -hmm. common. I think that mm -hmm. most people who are going to sexually assault someone are checking initially to see what kind of resistance they're going to get. Yes. And uh, I, I mean, maybe that's not always true, but I think it's certainly true a lot of the time that there is a, a poke to see, hey, are you going to tell me, please don't do that? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to just let it slide until it gets so offensive? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that kind of small gesture is something that I think, you know, when you have a better sense of how to sit with the discomfort of setting a boundary, mm -hmm. a boundary that's set early is usually one that people pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the other side of that is when, when you set a boundary, to pay a lot of attention to how that person receives that. Mm. They're going to be showing you their character right there. Um, and okay, on the one hand, uh, if I'm really stoked about going to see some music and then a friend cancels at the last moment, you know, I'm going to have feelings. I'm disappointed, you know, a little frustrated, but um, all right, you know, they get to decide that. Uh, Oops, I lost my train of thought there. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I was just, I, well, let me rescue you by saying okay. I, um, I was just thinking about, so before we began this podcast and I sent you a list of questions, you sent me a very concise email back saying, that's not of interest to me. That is of interest to me. And I was like, oh, my first thought was like, well, why doesn't she want to talk about all the things that I want to talk about? Mm -hmm, but my second mm -hmm. thought was like, oh, this is great because she's been really clear and now we don't have to have any weird muddiness around it. We're both mm. clear on what we want, what we're doing, and mm -hmm. what the, the framework is around it. Yes, yes, thank you. That's what I wanted to get at, is sometimes there's a sting or some discomfort when boundaries are named. Um, but ultimately, I think they improve relationships. They, they improve friendships. I agree. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. We, and we, we learn how our friends want us to, them to, no, they, we learn how they want us to treat them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that saying of like, well, you, t- you, you teach other people how to treat you. And, yes. and that can come across, do you, are you offended by swearing? Does uh, swearing no. offend you? Okay. So that can sometimes feel a little like shitty. Like I'm saying like, oh yeah, you got to teach other people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. But it also is true in the sense of love and love relationships and the love between friends is mm-hmm. it's loving to say to somebody, hey, you know, I really like it when you do that. Or, hey, that's not really my jam. That is actually super helpful information yes. for everyone. Yes. So I, I'm curious, though, because most of the women I know, we have these conversations where we're like, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries are loving, but like none of us are great at doing it. What? <laughs> how do you get better at it? Uh-huh. Well, I think talking about it is what really helps. Um, I know for myself, if I set a boundary with someone that I care about and I want in my life, I'm probably going to need to check in with them later. Like, okay, I'm still kind of adrenalized about telling you, blah, blah, blah. Are we good? You know, (laughs) how are you? Um, I just need to see, I need to soothe myself and to see kind of where we're at. Um, So that helps. I I know for myself, I I think of this, uh, a turning point in my life. I used to be terribly late everywhere all the time Mm. and Mm. it really made my life harder than it needed to be (laughs) and you know my friends would take bets on how late i would be and anyways one good friend finally sat me down and told me how frustrated it was for her that i was always late and it stung Mm -hmm. you know i did not like hearing that i mean i knew it was true there was no disputing it but it stung and um but that kind of started my turning point of learning how to, you know, think about time and going, you know, what it actually takes to get from point A to point B <laughs> and right. to, you know, ch- challenge myself around the magical thinking about that stuff. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, magical thinking is what I do with goals and <laughs> and projects and courses. And I'm so trying to unwind that. This is my year of saying no. This is my year yeah. of like, I'm not taking that course. I'm not <laughs> taking on that project. I'm not going to that, you know, brunch. I'm not doing those things. But that whole act of saying no and like, setting boundaries is, I, I agree. I think it's a practice thing. And I think you have to recognize the importance. Um, I I want to be conscientious of your time um, and thoughtful of it. And I know we're like halfway through about an hour, we're about 30 minutes in. And so would it be all right if we talked about the principles of empowerment self-defense? Was that something that we can run through so people feel yes. really clear about what we're talking about? Yes, thank you. Okay. All right, it's time for the shout out. The shout out is something that I'm excited about. It could be a person, a place, a thing, a website, an idea, or a product. Sometimes there's affiliate links. Most of the time there isn't. I just love the idea of people sharing stuff that they are enthused about. And this week, most of you know that I am a big animal lover. Obviously, I'm an equine-assisted coach. I have horses. I have dogs. I have cats. 
I used to have turtles and fish and goats. We have downsized. My partner probably is saying prayers that we never upsize again, but there'll be goats again. Anyway, today is about cats. So I did not know this until maybe two years ago, but cats are supposed to have the equivalent of two mice per day in terms of moisture. And when we feed them kibble, it's dried, it's it's gross. I, we buy really expensive kibble and it's a crazy price and it's probably some of the best kibble you can get, but it's still not great for them. And both of our cats are getting older. They're male cats who male cats can have kidney and um, urethra issues. They can get blockages. So I became concerned that as our cats were aging, that they needed to get more moisture. My partner was like, you know what? They can go hunt. Frankly, our cats do hunt, but in the wintertime, they're getting older. I'm a cat mom, so I naturally researched and found the best quality, human-grade, USDA-certified, humanely harvested, sustainably-sourced ingredient cat food that exists. That is Smalls. So you can find Smalls at smalls.com. They do have some kind of referral. I don't really understand how it works. I'll put the code in uh, the show notes, but it doesn't do any good for me. It gives you a free box. I don't know how many are available. I'm not sure if that's a limited thing for only a few people or not, but check it out. So <laughs> Smalls is a subscription. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not cheap. It is the best smelling cat food. I mean, it frankly looks, smells, I haven't tasted it, just like the expensive pate that we buy at the co-op. My cats are absolutely bonkers about it. It comes in smooth or they have a, you know, a chunkier grade. Um, there's several different kinds. There's cow, I think there's turkey and there's chicken. They have freeze-dried kibble that is actually just freeze-dried raw um, organ meats, which is really important because animals, when they eat meat, they don't just eat muscle meat. They eat the organs, and those have different nutrients. Um, the freeze-dried raw stuff just looks like any other kibble. It doesn't have any smell. It's amazing. Um, we just give that as a treat, um, as a supplement. And the actual pate-like food, we give them also as a supplement to kibble because we're not made of money. And it, again, isn't the cheapest food, but it's impeccable. The ingredients are impeccable. It's amazing. The cats are crazy for it. And you can go over to the show notes at www.avoiceforown.com and get the referral code and get a free box if you have cats. And then you too will have cats that stare at you through the glass window until you bring them their smalls. You're welcome. That, my friends, is the shout out. I really like this concept. It's not original to me. Um, but thinking about uh, five principles of self-defense, and some people say the five fingers, and the first one being think. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I'll say all five. Think, yell, 
run or leave, fight and tell. Mm -hmm. And um, actually the tell is what we were just talking about, like mm -hmm. telling people that are in your life, hey, I'm working on boundaries and I'm all tight about it. And so I, I would appreciate some support um, when I need to do that, you know, and, and some help in kind of processing that. So um, that's how tell can, that's one aspect of tell and helping you build those skills and getting support. Mm -hmm. But I'll go back to the first one, think, um, and this is about thinking, you know, using your mind, um, tuning into what's happening right now, listening um, to your intuition, notice what's happening, notice what you want to be happening. Um, it can, it part of think is uh, getting accurate information about what, what kind of violence uh, most likely women in particular are facing. Because mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of misinformation that is very hurtful and really leads us uh, down some uh, dangerous and, and uh, paths of hardship. Mm. Because it usually means, you know, uh, following these long lists of don't do this, don't go there, don't okay. ever do that by yourself. So I'd um, love to hear more about that if you feel yeah. like elaborating at some point. I'd okay. love to hear about the misinformation because I think that's so valuable. Yeah. Well, and I spend a lot of time in my class with that. Um, just kind of sorting them out. Um, I don't want to oh. like, if you want to go back to the five and, and go over those, I'll, I'll remember to bring us back to the misinformation. Okay. I'll write a note for me. Okay. Okay. Um, but okay. I'll, I'll just give one example of a piece of misinformation. And I remember because I've done education in this County for so long years ago, somebody told me, well, my grandmother told me that if I fought back an attacker, I would be killed. Right. An attacker would certainly kill me. Oof. You know, you hear that from your trusted grandmother and, mm -hmm. you know, why wouldn't you believe that? And, um, right. That is or a, if you, if you, the other one is if you scream or if you yell, then they'll like, they'll fight harder to shut you up. And so you'll get hurt worse. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So both are not true. Um, you know, we know there's more and more research that shows when women resist violence in all the ways, the verbal ways, the, you know, more psychological ways, physically, um, you know, by running away, leaving the situation, by physically fighting, um, we generally get free of that assault. We, you know, we generally yeah. escape the assault. I, ha um, I have a statistic here that I took yes. from, I took it from the Sociology Compass Journal and Jocelyn Hollander's work at the University of Oregon. Uh -huh. And she said in this article that physical, a physical resistance as opposed to a passive resistance mm -hmm. um, led to an 81% decrease in completed rape. Mm -hmm. 81%. Yeah. I mean, that says fight. That's oh, yeah. what it says to me. Well, it, it, it says do it all, you know, the, the yelling, the assertiveness, the physical fighting, the move, you know, the moving away, all of that combined, mm -hmm. um, is quite effective. And, um, there's some other studies, one that says 
you know, women successfully resist at least 75% of all attempted sexual assaults. That's amazing. And that is amazing. And that's not the impression that people have out there. Right. No, um, definitely not. Yeah. I think most women feel, and maybe you said this earlier, but what one of the reasons that I, I'm going to back up for a minute. One of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation with you is that I was in class and it was mostly women and they were talking about the self-censoring, the things that they did not do mm. because they were afraid of physical assault or sexual assault or both. Mm. And I was shocked because that was not how I felt because of, I would say primarily because of my training as a police officer. Mm -hmm. So because I had all this self-defense and it, it gave me a mindset of no, it's, you're not going to intrude on my space kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was so amazed that these were not women who were like 15. These were women in their forties and their thirties mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the whole gamut. And I thought, okay, wow, what, what there's, there has to be more conversation around what it is that women can do so that they have agency in the world. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, and that is really important to me. I don't think women realize that there's so much that they can do to have agency that yes. they're not doomed to be attacked if they decide to go for a walk. Right, right, right. Right. And even, you know, uh, even misinformation about where assaults happen. I mean, so many women will not walk outside by themselves and certainly not at night by themselves. And yet think about all the beauty and all of the personal well-being you miss out on when you don't feel comfortable walking, especially in our beautiful area, out in there, in the forest, at the beach, along the river. Mm hmm where um, do you, where do most assaults happen? I don't know the answer to this. Um, someplace where you are comfortable and relaxed, like at your house or mm. at the assailant's house, because oh, they're course. your friend. They're your right. they're your cousin's friend, and you all want to gonna go over there before you go to the party or whatever. You know, you're right. with somebody because you have good reason to think that you'll have fun and good things will happen by you know hanging out right. um, and then something changes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, that's one of the things that just crushes me as somebody who likes to walk out in nature a lot um, of how many women don't have that, you know, yeah. because they just feel like that's, um, it's too dangerous and too scary and they're not going there. Yeah. And I, yeah. I would say that I used to, I mean, obviously I'm, you know, older, and this was in the 80s that I would go in Arcata, I was in my teens, and I would walk at midnight by myself with mm -hmm. a Walkman on. That's a, <laughs> that's dating myself, right? <laughs> Cassette tape. Uh -huh. But like, I don't know any women that age that would do that today. Mm -hmm. Like, I literally don't know, you know, they just have this conditioning. And part of it, I think, is a lot of the fear based things that we got from the missing children on the milk cartons, mm -hmm. and all of this, like, really intensive fear-based messaging that we've gotten over the last few decades. Yes. But the result is that many women I know do not feel free to pursue the things that they would like to do, like mm -hmm. be at the beach and see the stars mm -hmm. or, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't have to be that way. Nope. Nope.
Yeah. Okay. So bringing it back to the first principle, <laughs> think is like being willing, you know, learning some of these uh, truths about violence and letting that seep in. It's like, okay, well, maybe I could do this because, you know, most I, it's unlikely that I'm going to be assaulted out there on the beach or the this or the that. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that that assaults by strangers don't happen. That is that does happen, but mm -hmm. statistically way less likely. And mm -hmm. even with stranger assaults, there's almost always a testing period. They are not simply, you know, jumping out of the bushes and it's an immediate assault. There's usually that the testing, um, mm -hmm. hey, do you know what time it is? Uh, right. Is the bus coming? Whatever is the casual question. And they're, um, you know, checking to see how you'd respond and um, what the vibe is. And Right. Uh, yeah. And that is, that I think is super key. Um, and I, you know, I'm not also not sure if most women realize the nearest and dearest part of that, you know, that yes. because the, the stranger ones get really sensationalized, yeah. but I don't think that most women realize, and this has happened to me, like it, it's literally happened to me where somebody said, oh, hey, you dropped this. And I've turned and said, I didn't drop anything, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, it's almost like you have to develop you have to be willing to believe your intuition. You have mm. to be willing to believe the survival mm. mm -hmm. parts of yourself that have evolved over thousands of years are yes. not going to set you wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't override them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can get to know your intuition in daily life there's mm -hmm. a couple of tips in the book that i use in my class that's like um just you know going out to the massive parking lot and getting a sense of where did i leave my car you know in part that's like memory but you can also uh your intuition is a part of that mm -hmm. okay so part the first one is think the second one second principle is yell Yell. So yell, not necessarily always meaning, you know, yell at the top of your voice, but using your voice to speak up for yourself and to speak up for others. You can be loud about it. You can be quiet and calm about it, but expressing your boundaries clearly. Mm -hmm. And maybe your boundary right now is, I don't know what I want. I'm mm. going away for 15 minutes. I'll call you when I know what I want. <laughs> mm. You know, like that might be it. Um, some of us don't process fast, you know, and so I need time to figure out even a simple thing about whether I'm going to go left or right or whatever. And so that might be the more common boundary is I need more time or I need more information before I decide. That's a great point. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we do, we do a number of exercises and I present some tools to help, uh, you use your voice more. Um, one of them has to do with uh, what we used to call broken record. And now we call it repeat, repeat. And that is just, you know, figuring out what you want. Somebody's offer you a shoulder massage and you don't want one. And so figuring out your answer to the question in five words or less. And if the person pushes, you just simply repeat the five words and not change your, your language at all. Sometimes you might change the voice, add some gestures, whatever. You might experiment with that, but just the same message. And um, 
it can feel a little awkward to learn, but I really like it, especially um, because so many assaults, sexual assaults are early on, the assailant is um, not only dismissing what you want, but like belittling it or uh, adding a guilt trip around it. Like, oh, you don't want to dance with a guy who's bald. I, I or making it, fun, know? making fun of it. Like, yeah. oh, you know, of course you're the kind of girl who doesn't like a back rub. What's uh-huh. wrong with that? Right, you know, that right. kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that, that the five words is something that is, I'm curious, is, do you find that the um, repeat, repeat is good because when people get stressed out, if they've sort of programmed themselves with those five words, they don't have to search around for the right thing to say? Yes, yes, exactly. And if the person you're dealing with is already, you know, in an unreasonable state of mind, think drunk, Uh um, you know, if you know, if they say, well, why don't you want a massage? And you go into some reason about why your shoulder's kind of tight right now and you think that would hurt or whatever, like that's probably not going to compute for them anyways. And so just keeping it simple to your message and not deviating, it, it, it I think it frees up our mind to, to look, kind of zoom out a little bit and go, this person is trying to convince me to get a shoulder rub. Right. You know, okay, you asked, that was fine. I declined. Now this is all BS, you know? So if if I'm not getting tangled up in their questions, you know, but why? And Oh, is it because of this or this? If, I'm, if I just stick to my answer, then I don't get so tangled up in their weaselly ways. Right. Then I get more clear of like, this is ridiculous. I'm out of right. here. Right. It gives and, you clarity. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, sense. I have my students practice when they do the technique. Then I want them to ask themselves: um, as soon as this person gets unreasonable, I want you to walk away and like all the way out of the room. Oh like, wow! Just so they get that in their body. Like I am leaving the conversation. I'm not saying goodbye. I'm not waiting to hear their last thing to say. I'm leaving all the way out the door. Is that hard? Like, do you find when you assign that in class that people, there's like sort of the nervous laughter or there's sort of the like, you know, is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Yeah. And I have to keep reminding them, you can leave if they've, if they're unreasonable, leave the room, you know, and practice it now. And in fact, I, I mean, that's really um, what I would just encourage everybody to do is to practice leaving the room. Okay. Even Good. like you're I having like a. <laughs> I got to tell you though, I didn't know to do this. Like I like so when I look back in the relationships that I had in my twenties, I was the kind of woman who would follow the man from room to room, continuing the fight, mm. and like mm-hmm. then being surprised at like how it escalated, you mm. know. And and it has taken me until probably my forties to learn like it's okay to like drop it and walk away. The Mm. right person will come back. You will come back. You can repair. You can work on, you know, renegotiating, whatever, you know, the right person will be okay with the fact that you needed to stop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's taken me a long time to learn how to do that, especially in the heat of some sort of conflict or some sort of, you know, thing like that. It's like, no, actually it's okay to just be like, I need a minute and to like walk out of the room. Yeah. 
right? Because your chemistry is probably pretty jacked up at that point and you're not regulated right. and, you know, most likely the things that come out of your mouth at that point are not going to be uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look good in retrospect. Full of charm. Yes. 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 Um, okay. So uh, it's, we're going to, it's going to take us a while to get through these five. <laughs> <laughs> I like talking to you. I'm enjoying it so much. So, okay. So then what's the third principle? Uh, run and run. or leave. Mm -hmm. um, not everybody can physically run. So I like leave a little bit better, but the idea is to find a way to get away that you decide when to leave an uncomfortable situation. And so it might mean, you know, right now walking 20 feet out of wherever, what building you're in and going to sit on a bench and think, um, it might mean, uh, leaving, quitting a job. It mm -hmm. might mean leaving a relationship. It might mean, um, you know, picking up your kids and leaving the state and going underground mm -hmm. until you can build a life without uh, an abusive partner. Mm -hmm. um, so it's huge. Um, and I leaving. I, I want to say, because I don't know the everybody who is going to be listening to this, I don't know. Um, you and I are talking about this because we both worked in this field because I was on the sexual assault response team and I have been to sexual assault school and I, so we have a familiarity and I don't know if everybody listening understands the, and I don't have the percentages off the top of my head, but the reason that you're saying something like you might have to leave and take your kids and go underground is that the, the reality of domestic violence, which I don't think we call it domestic violence anymore. We call it intimate partner violence. Mm -hmm. And the reality of violence against women is, is, is very real. The it's, it's quite astonishing. And especially mm -hmm. if you look at particularly marginalized communities, like indigenous women, like they're not to say that they're to, to pull that out, but to say like these, there's rates of violence against women that I'm not sure that people actually understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah. So it's not like, I, I don't want to say it's the rule, but it's also not the exception to have a woman who might be in a position where if she weren't going to leave, that she, you know, that she might be in a situation that would become increasingly violent until she was perhaps murdered. That mm -hmm. happens. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not, it's not common, but it's not uncommon either. Right. Right. For, for women who are abused by their partner, um, it tends to get more uh, dangerous through time unless there's some serious intervention and treatment. Um, and I think the women in those relationships know better than anybody else how dangerous those people can be. Um, they've probably been making subtle or not so subtle threats for years. And and the actual leaving, it not only is it super complicated, but it's the most dangerous. It's very dangerous. Part. Yeah. Very um, dangerous, yes. Abusers who abuse their partner, um, the lethality goes, jacks way up when the partner is leaving the relationship. Yeah. And another thing that people may not recognize is that when a woman wants to leave a relationship with an abusive partner, 
before she is actually able to leave statistically she has tried seven times mm -hmm. so that yeah. person that you're like oh, i can't believe she's back with that dude he's such a loser mm -hmm. that is not the reality of what's happening for her yeah it it's really i think unclear to people on the mm -hmm. outside the dynamics on the inside and it's so important to remember that you do not know what's happening you mm -hmm. do not know if that person just made an implicit or explicit threat. You don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 People who are leaving an abuser, um, they need a ton of compassion and a ton of support because it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And it gets more complicated if they have shared children, if, they're, if their money stuff is all tangled up together. In fact, I would just say now, like I, um, this is, one of the the ideas that I feel more and more strongly about, and that is the financial abuse, um, is one of the most uh, uh, dangerous in the sense that it traps women more than anything. Right. Um, and so however you need to keep your money, like some money independent, even you're with your great person, you have a really lovely relationship, blah, 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 like still just have one bank account that's only yours that nobody else has access to. Um, I think that's vital. Yeah, I, yeah. I have definitely, <laughs> I have known women who have gone to take money out of their account to find that they're partner has frozen the account and that they mm -hmm. have no access. They have no mm -hmm. resources. They have their cards have been frozen. Their bank accounts been frozen. I mean, the, the, the lack of agency that comes through having suddenly and shockingly no resources mm -hmm. is astonishing. And, and the thing is, is that so much of us not putting that something aside for our ourselves mm -hmm. is not recognizing the possibility. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a cultural conditioning that we mm -hmm. wear sort of rose colored glasses sometimes, or if mm -hmm. it's just literally the knowledge has not been given and the information has not been presented that, hey, you need to make sure that you have a plan for you, no matter what. It's not yes. even, you know, what if your partner got somehow somebody misidentified him as the Oklahoma city bomber and he got arrested and all your accounts got frozen. Then what do you do? Like, you know, <laughs> uh -huh, yeah. there's other scenarios, right? But we don't, I, I also think that women routinely, and there's now a lot of really good podcasts about women and, and finances, but I think women routinely, you know, sort of don't get that kind of education unless they really purposefully go after it and say, oh, I need to know how to do all of this. I want to know what we're doing. How are we investing our money? How are we saving it? Where is it located? What are the passwords? Where are the keys to the yes. safe? I mean, those are all super reasonable questions that yeah. honestly, it's surprising how often it's like, I don't know. You ask somebody, do you know this? No, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have, we are now on uh, fight. principle number four, fight, right? Yes, okay. yes. So fighting is physical resistance. It's using what's strong and hard part of your body against a, a weak and vulnerable spot on the assailant's body. Mm -hmm. um, we do not have to be stronger or faster or bigger than the assailant. And mm -hmm. I know this is one of the things that 
it's hard to believe, like it's hard to believe those words. And, um, but we teach, we teach people how to, um, to hit and to kick the vulnerable parts of the assailant's body. And it's about using your strength against that weakness. Mm-hmm. And that's in contrast, like if I just, you know, if we pick a big giant muscular guy and I sit down and do an arm wrestle with him, you know, it's obvious to me that he's going to win that. If I look in his arms three times as big as mine, there's just no question. Um, not, but, not if you kick him in the shins when he's not looking. Right. <laughs> I kid. Right. Joke. But, right. No. But, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, those are the kinds of things like you do have. There are so many capacities that you have that you don't recognize. And one of them is surprise. I'm not going to roll over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A willingness to fight for yourself mm-hmm. and to fight hard and with focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that my will to live and my will to be whole is stronger than anybody else's wish to do me harm. Like that's I, a belief I have. I appreciate that you said that because I was going to talk about mindset because mm. I so firmly, strongly, passionately believe that the most important thing you can develop is the mindset of saying, I am going home safe tonight. Mm. I am going to remain whole and healthy. Mm. I am, I will, if I am threatened, I will fight until one of us is neutralized and it will not be me. Mm. And that mindset is the most powerful thing you can bring to any situation where somebody's threatening you because mm. yes. any number of things could fail. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about how if you carry a gun or you carry pepper spray, you carry tasers, those things can be used against you, but your mindset mm. cannot be used against you. It mm. is there for your power. Mm. Yes. Yeah, and so you can cause pain and or injury to the assailant's body. And, you know, a lot of assailants, like they don't want to get hurt. They right. don't want to get in trouble. And the first sign of blood and they're out of there. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, that doesn't account for all assailants, but some, yeah, they're out of there first thing. Um, And in other situations, the woman has to fight hard and long and keep pounding away at those um, soft spots Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, perhaps blocking strikes herself. And I, I think it's important to understand what the strikes can do. So I spend some time, you know, identifying the body weapons that we all carry and the more vulnerable parts of the body and what happens when they're struck there. You know, you hit, Mm -hmm. bump your nose, you know, your eyes water, the nose bleeds. If you you hit it hard, it does that in uh, exponentially more. (laughs) In a resounding way. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, And you know, so causing enough pain and perhaps debilitating injuries so that you can escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because so, you know, I think a lot of women are, if they imagine themselves fighting a stranger, they can imagine maybe getting fiercer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different imagining uh, fighting an acquaintance. Mm-hmm. You know, this was like somebody you studied with in statistics or something. And mm-hmm. now they are, um, you know, bowling over you uh, with all of their this and that. And um, it's, it, it's confusing, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, hey, I thought we were study buddies. 
Uh Um, And so this goes back to the think part of like, okay, uh, this is different than I thought. It's not, it doesn't look good. You know, what can I do now? What are my options now? And, um, you know, just realizing that not everybody has our good, you know, good wishes for us. Um, Yeah. No, that's a great point. I actually think that my own mindset is more like it would be it would be harder for me to maintain that mindset against like my cousin's friend or mm-hmm. my brother's friend and my brother had to run to the store or um you know a guy that I was casually dating where I was like I'm not ready to mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing because mm-hmm. there's there's a sense of that societal expectation coming back in mm-hmm. whereas you don't feel that if it's a stranger yes yes so I like so I like my students to learn like strikes that cause pain because maybe causing pain to my study buddy is sufficient mm-hmm. and he gets the message he goes away I go away it's over um, and I'm I might be able to kick him in the shin and cause that pain where I wouldn't feel justified striking him in the eyes you know mm-hmm. and with the potential of you know, puncturing his eyeball or, mm-hmm. you know, causing temporary blindness or something. So um, that's why I like to teach uh, different kinds of techniques that some, which just cause some pain and not necessarily injury. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you need to injure that person so badly that they, they cannot come after you. Right. And, um, you know, so I focus on kicks to the knee for that. Yeah. I was going to say that's such a valuable, like we learned, um, you know, if somebody grabs you from behind the knee is not a very strong mechanism. It doesn't mm-hmm. take a lot of impact to disable somebody yeah. if you kick yeah. them in the knee. Yeah. Which is good to know on both sides. It's good to yes. know that you don't want somebody to kick you in the knee. <laughs> yeah. You can avoid that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you teach women about? I, I know that we haven't covered all of the five, but in regards to carrying self-defense weapons, what what's your take on that? What do you teach women about that or or anyone? Yeah. Not just women, but people who are looking for, you know, protection. Well, I pose it as a, a personal choice and um, that, you know, a lot of people feel better uh, buying and training and, you know, learning how to use the weapon and having it with them. I totally respect that. Um, I don't teach weapons, so that's about as much as I could say about that. Uh, but. But the, da- the downside, if you are relying on the weapon for your physical safety and your weapon is 10 feet away in your purse, right. you know, if, right. if you don't have it when you need it, um, it's not going to help you. So if, if, if you add a weapon to your already trained body, then okay. But um, as one of my colleagues says, um, you know, don't count on anything you don't take in the shower with you. Um, mm. So mm-hmm. we teach people to use their bodies, the body weapons um, mm-hmm. that you always have with you. So and if you train with that and then you decide to add a weapon on top of that, then fine. I just, I would encourage people not to just skip the body weapons and go right for an external weapon. Yeah. And I also, uh, I'm sure that lots of people teach this, but it's very easy to disarm somebody. It's not mm-hmm. hard to disarm someone with a gun. Mm-hmm. It's somewhat harder to disarm somebody with a pepper spray or something like that. Mm-hmm. But like, 
people need to know that it, it's not like television. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not the reality of it. So, you know, the thing is, is that if you, if you have the confidence in your own body, mm-hmm. that is a confidence that can't be taken away from you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're to the fifth, fifth finger here. Yes. Okay. And that is tell. Um, telling can be, you know, someone attempts to assault you and you effectively defend yourself and you, you know, run away and you get safe. Um, but you're still full of adrenaline Mm -hmm. and like that was still scary and awful. And, um, you know, like really giving yourself support, seeking out someone that you trust or an organization that you trust and getting support. It might be 20 years later, you Mm -hmm. know, you listen to this podcast and you're thinking about a time that you used fawning to, you know, deal with um, an inappropriate relative and you're feeling weird about it, you know, Mm -hmm. like being, willing to ask a friend to listen to you in a specific way, like and telling them what you need. Like, I really need to explore this. I want, um, I'd appreciate your, you know, just listening really carefully and your kindness. And I don't, I don't think I'm going to want any advice from you. I just need to share about this and I'll figure out what I need to do from here. Or maybe I'll ask you for ideas, but, uh, you know, cultivating relationships that you can talk about deep and hard things and uh, especially ones that, you know, you haven't sorted out yet because there's mm-hmm. going to be layers of confusion. Why did they do that? You know, why was my first instinct to freeze? Ugh, I didn't want that to happen. You know, um, mm-hmm. like there's, even if you feel proud of how you handle the situation, there's still going to be a lot to kind of unpack. And so, you know, finding people you can talk to about that. Yeah. And choosing, choosing carefully because you yes. know, it, it, it is so important to be able to speak out loud your lived experience without somebody changing it or mm-hmm. judging yes. it or advising you just like, that's not it. It's like, Oh, I need you to hold space while I process verbally my lived experience. Yes. That yes. is so key. And it, it could be a counselor, it could be an LCSW, it could be the rape crisis line, it could be any number of things, but it could just be a friend. If you're mm-hmm. just clear and say like, can I, I wanna say this out loud, can you just listen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Do you do you have the energy yeah. to listen to me explore a complicated thing, you know? Yeah, capacity. Yeah, one of the, um, one of the things that uh, I think is super challenging for people and I'm going to say people, but I often it's women is to say what happened to them without like getting shamed for it. And that shame yes. can be implicit. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily explicit. It's not somebody saying like, wow, I can't believe you didn't fight harder or, mm-hmm. you know, but there's this sort of implicit, like, will you let that happen? Or you were there or, you know, all that stuff that we now call victim blaming, but it's like, mm-hmm. it still happens. It's still mm-hmm. happening. Oh, sure, this isn't yeah. like something that isn't happening. Yes. Um, and so it, if you can find or cultivate some sort of support with people who are 
hopefully, you know, just know not to do that. But maybe you need somebody who's trained. Like maybe you do need to go to somebody and talk to somebody who's trained in that. And that doesn't mean that they have to be, you know, a licensed therapist, although it could be. Mm -hmm. But there are lots of lay counselors. And by lay Mm -hmm. counselor, I mean somebody who's not licensed and, you Mm -hmm. know, that work in that area. But, you know, be thoughtful about it. Yes. Right. Think about what you want from them, um, what would be helpful to you. Uh, But having kind of control over the conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. And if, you know, you try talking with so-and-so about it and it's not going well, then again, you know, <laughs> hit the pause button and run the bathroom, shut the door and figure, you know, again, what's right. going on here? And is this what I want? Something about this doesn't feel right. Um, you know, maybe I can go back in there and say, I need to, I, I need to either for you to, you know, just, just listen, because I don't think I'm up for advice right now. Or if you can't do that, then I'm, I need to leave you know, mm-hmm. or we're going to change the subject or something. Cause this is, I really need this to talk about this. Yeah. Story. Yeah. So it sounds to me like these five principles are not, it's not like a linear progression. They're like mm-hmm. overlapping principles, right? Because if yes. you have the capacity to tell somebody, Hey Carrie, that's actually not helpful for me right now. What I need mm-hmm. from you is to just listen to this and, mm-hmm. And, and be, you know, X or Y, then you could carry that same discernment to, okay, now I'm out on a date and I'm thinking about what's right and I'm realizing this isn't what I want and I'm able to articulate it. Like those are mm-hmm. qualities that are associated with the same ability to discern for oneself what yes. is appropriate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay, I could talk to you about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if um, if you want to move into um, talking about some actionable practices, if that's something that you feel good about. So now it's time for the takeaway. The takeaway is an actionable practice that you can take out in the world as you journey forward. It's something that could be, should be, hopefully will be of use to you. It's a practice. It's not something that, you know, maybe you're going to master right away, but possibly you could. It could be something that will really, even today, you could start and you'll see results from it, something that can help you on your journey. And Today's takeaway is coming up. I actually, the main one that I wanted to talk about, I pretty much already have, and that's the pause button, the practice leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you can do that every day, like, and just see what it's like, you know, uh, to be in the middle of the meeting and to, you know, I mean, you could pick a moment that, you know, you're not going to miss something <laughs> important, but you know, like, you know, you can just like whisper to somebody, I'll be right back. I'm going to the bathroom and, and like practicing leaving the room. And you know, people know that you have to go to the bathroom, like that. No one's going to give you a weird look. Um, right. and, it, and sometimes we have to prove that to ourselves by going out of the bathroom and coming back and seeing that nobody is like, you know, giving us the vibe that we really blew it. Um, mm-hmm. like that just, that pretty much doesn't happen. Um, so practicing that, proving to yourself that you can do that, noticing once you leave the room, how you feel, do you need to 
you know, walk around the block? Do you need to, do you need the safety of going in the bathroom and shutting that and locking that stall door? Right. Um, do you need to get a friend on the phone right away? Like what is going to help you sort out what's going on? Um, mm-hmm. So experimenting with that. Okay. Um, and same thing. <laughs> you can tell people dinner. like, when you're at your in-laws, you can practice yeah. getting up and leaving yeah. the table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can you can vary the level of pressure. Yes. In in your experimentation. Yes. Right. Start start out with the least risk and just you know get comfortable with it, and then you can build up from there. Okay, that's a great practice. That I I really like that. I guess I, another one um, is more of a mental. Uh, trick, I think, uh, for a lot of us, and this I would say is more in the dating realm or the flirtation realm, um, you know, the chemistry's moving, you know, we're affected by that. Um, and we're sorting through what we want, what the other person wants, what they're saying, all that. Um, and the person says something or does something that's like, hmm. I don't like that. And it's so easy just to get stuck in that confusion. And mm-hmm. as we are so often the case, while we're feeling stuck and thinking, 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 you know, maybe they just, now they have their arm around us, you know, and now we're having to think about whether we want their arm around them and trying right. to figure out how to say that. And now their other arm is touching another oh, part. Right. And, you know, so I was still busy thinking about whether I even wanted to be this close to the person. And now I have two arms <laughs> <laughs> that I'm negotiating with. Um, and so uh, being willing to reverse the situation in your mind, you know, mm. would I do that? If, oh, yeah. if I asked someone to dance and they said, no, thanks, would I grab their wrist and pull them on the dance floor? Hmm. You know, and if your first answer is like, no, you know, that really tells you how out of line that other person is. And That's I think so great. I had never thought of it that way. Yeah, it's it's simple, but I think it often kind of provides some clarity. Yeah, uh, I mean, I literally my mind jumped to I remember being on a dance floor. I like to go to clubs and dance mm-hmm. and um, I haven't done that in a long time. But and I remember one guy coming up behind me and he was sort of doing the I don't know what it's called now, but kind of the dirty dancing thing. And mm-hmm. I was just like, uh, I don't, I don't really want to do that. But so I just mm-hmm. kept moving away, but mm-hmm. he just kept moving with me, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, when I think about it, I would never do that to someone. Mm-hmm. That's like gross, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. It just makes it so clear when you like reverse it like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to bring to the table right now? I don't think so. I am interested. I would love to know, do you have any upcoming classes? Is that something that is happening now? Um, and, and, and for people who aren't in this area, if they wanted to learn more about empowerment, self-defense, I mean, this is a kind of affiliation of, of, practitioners, right? Of instructors. It's not like a club. It's not like a, right? Right. Right. So, okay. First I'll start with that. Um, I'm a member of the national women's martial arts federation, um, which uh, has a very strong 
empowerment self-defense teacher program and there's okay. they have a directory and there are people teaching empowerment self-defense all over the United States and it has some listings um, from other countries so that's a good place to start to find um, what I would okay. consider a solid uh, self-defense class um, I'm teaching some locally uh, mostly through College of the Redwoods. So that's like a pretty big commitment. It's a 21 hour class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have an online version of oh, that. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Online through College of the Redwoods. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and then I'm, I'm in the process of getting some other community classes going. I am scheduled to teach for Ollie, which is the Osher okay. Lifelong Learning. Yeah. I love Ollie. Uh-huh. Yes. Ollie's awesome. It okay. is awesome. That's good yes. to know. Um, but that is for people 50 years and better. So, but that's coming up um, in April. I'll be teaching through oh, that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I myself will look that up because um, I just... I, I think Ollie is a great organization. I honestly wish we had something equivalent to Ollie for people who aren't 50 and better, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, just like community learning, mm-hmm, lifelong yeah. learning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there any way that I should um, let people know in the show notes if they wanted to, I can put Ollie, the contact info for Ollie and College of the Redwoods. Is there any other contact info that I should know that I should put in the show notes or is that the best way to, to find your stuff? Um, that and uh, also the link to the National Women's Martial Arts okay. Federation. Cause there's a list of, and I'm one of them, uh, the, I'm certified through that program. Okay. Um, yeah. And then the book that you use for your class, is that something that's available to the general public? Like somebody could go on a books or go to Northtown books or go to Amazon and find the book that you use for your class. It is actually kind of hard to find because it's out of print and it's okay. right in front of me. But if I walk my computer, I can give you, I mean, the book is out there. Um, there's going to be another book that a good friend of mine wrote it's coming out in september it's gonna be fantastic okay i like Um, to send people to abe books and abe books is a consortium of a bunch of independent booksellers all over the united states uh so when you often for my school we often have out of print things which is just super challenging and that's how i source it so that might be a good resource for this book Uh uh-huh um, it's by Debbie Leung, L-E-U-N-G, and um, it's called Self-Defense, The Womanly Art of Self-Care, Intuition, and Choice. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I will yeah. find that. I will find that and link to it. Okay. That sounds great. Well, I um, I have really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope that it's super useful for people. And I really can only speak from my own experience of having been through, you know, hours and hours of self-defense classes as in police academy. And then as I was, you know, in law enforcement, the feeling that you have when you know that you're no longer afraid of somebody else because of physicality Mm. or locality is such a gift to yourself. Like I would so encourage people to take these classes. If you don't want to commit to a semester, there are three-day classes, there are workshops, there Mm -hmm. are things that you can do. Give yourself the gift of agency. 
Yes. That's, that's my, and thank you, Carrie, for bringing yes. that into the world. I, the work that you've done is so important and I'm super appreciative and grateful. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Mm. You're welcome, Diva. And I really enjoyed it as well. And I know I am, uh, I love it when people contact me and say, well, I'd like to get a class going for 10 friends, you know, and I'm happy to customize a class for that group. Oh, okay. So you can that's include great. my email address and I would be delighted to talk to anybody about doing that. Okay. That sounds great. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. We've gone over the hour, but it has been so worth it. Thank you again, Carrie. And I hope that you have a really nice weekend. Thank you. And enjoy and playing your drums. Yes. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this and find you uh, playing at some point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Okay. Take care. Okay. You too. Bye. Hey friends. Thank you again for joining me on a voice of her own. I hope that this episode was useful that it was inspiring, that it sparked something in you that you can take out into the world. And if you want to hear more episodes or you want to sign up for our newsletter so you never miss one being released, head on over to www.avoiceofherown.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can get all the show notes. You can uh, get all the links to everything we talked about and any promotional things that I have going on. So again, thanks for joining us and take that out into the world and be your badass self. <laughs>